like last Sunday, our reading today comes from the book of 1 Samuel. This book covers a particularly important period of about 110 years in the life of Israel. It was a transition period from transitioning from a theocracy or a country that was established under God's leadership to a monarchy. First, there was Moses, right? Do we remember Moses? Moses brought the people out of Egypt. And then it was Joshua who brought the people into the promised land. And once they were in the promised land, when a crisis arose, God would call a judge for a, per a short period of time. And that judge would uh, assist in, in getting through the crisis. And a series of judges uh, arose from time to time. And Samuel is somewhat of a judge. He's somewhat a prophet, but he's also a priest. He kind of holds all those different offices. We discovered last week that the tribes wanted, the tribes of Israel wanted a king, just like all the other nations. And they went to Samuel, and they asked Samuel to anoint a king, so they could be like everyone else. Now this really confused and disturbed Samuel, and he consulted with God in prayer. And the Lord told Samuel that the people hadn't rejected Samuel, but they had rejected who? The Lord. They had rejected the Lord. And so the Lord told Samuel to tell the people what life like will be like with a king, but then if they continue to persist in, in wanting a king, anoint one for them. And that's what Samuel did. Saul, from the tribe of Benjamin, is crowned the very first king. But surprisingly, when he was to be presented to the people, they had to go find him. He was hiding. They had to, to look for him. He was in the baggage. Now, it's hard to say exactly what the quote, baggage is, but it could be the, the, the shields and, and the wares, and, but he was hiding. So they dragged him before the people, and when the people saw him, he was, they said he was a head, a, foot, a head taller than any of the others. And they said, do you see the man that God has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And the people then shouted, long live the king. Saul's physical characteristics made him an appealing choice for the people. But he made unwise choices and he disobeyed God's explicit commands. And the Lord rejected Saul as king and began preparing a replacement. And our lesson today begins as Saul returns to his home as a rejected monarch. As we prepare to read God's word, let's join together in, in prayer as we seek God's illuminating grace. Holy and gracious God, may your Holy Spirit give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, we may know the hope to which Christ has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance among us 
and the greatness of his power for those who believe. Amen. Our reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 34. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to the house of Gilead of Saul. Saul did not see Samuel, excuse me, did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and he came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen one, this one. Then Jesse made Shemama pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm sure you know that most sports measure wins and losses. 
are some sports that will measure a tie. And then there are all kinds of statistics, aren't they, in sports? Football has QB ratings and yards per carry and yards per pass attempt, yards per catch and, and hurries on the defense and sacks and TFLs, tackles for losses, and of course, much more. Now, I don't think there's any sport that measures more things and has more statistics than baseball. Baseball measures everything. There's ERA, earn run average. There's batting average, slugging percentage, stolen bases, singles, doubles, triples, home runs. There's RBIs and runs scored and strikeouts and unearned runs. And there's saves. Don't we love saves as Christians? Yes? Saved opportunities. Oh, blown saves. Save percentages, shutouts, complete games, number of pitches, balls and strike, wild pitches, errors, pickoffs, caught stealing percentage, feeling percentage, innings played, attentional walks, LOB, that's left on base, on base percentage, and whip, walks and hits per inning pitch. Oh, and I'm just getting started. And of course, we have our Fitbits on our, on our wrist, Apple watches and garments and cell phone apps that measure heart rate and blood pressure, oxidization and, and blood sugar and how many calories you consumed and how many calories you burned, how far you have walked or ridden. You have yardsticks and you have measuring tape and you have thermometers and you had hand diameters and scales and ways and Google Maps. I learned this week that on a drive back from Atlanta that my son's home in Atlanta to Fairfax is 645 miles and it should have taken nine hours and 35 minutes. Now it took about another two hours because we were bringing his puppy back and boy did we have stop after stop after stop. It seems that we can measure everything, everything. But the truth is, the most important things in life can't be measured. Even the doctors on Gray's Anatomy can't hook someone up to a tenderness monitor or a character meter. There's no scale for affection. You can't calibrate kindness, no matter how sophisticated the scientific instruments there's no calculation for creativity, for faith, for hope, or the depth of one's heart. Exactly how do you measure character? But that's what Samuel was trying to do when he paid a visit to Jesse's son in Bethlehem. The prophet, priest, judge Samuel could have used a character app on his cell phone when the Lord sent him to Bethlehem. When Samuel looks at Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, he thought, this must, must be the king. But the Lord told Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Samuel, it seems, has forgotten that Saul was known for his height and his appearance. As God had the remaining sons brought before Samuel, not one of them was the Lord's chosen. And Samuel was puzzled. And then he discovered that there was yet one more son, the youngest, who was out watching the sheep. And when this son, who is not even yet named in our scripture lesson today, is brought forward, the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel anointed David in the presence of his older brothers. Can't we just imagine how well that must have gone over with all of them? What they must have, have thought in their bewildered mind. Only now is the name of the Lord's chosen revealed. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The lowly shepherd boy would become God's shepherd of the entire nation of Israel. Looking on the character of the heart is not something that wearable technology can do. Yes, there are certain tests conducted by psychologists that attempt to measure character, but none of these account for the work of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit's work of growing us into a new creation, as we are called to by God, as all of us are called to by God. This is the work that God wants to do in your life and in mine. Scripture is full of God moving in people's lives and reversing people's fortunes. 1 Samuel begins with Hannah's bareness that turned to her having children. Samuel became priest and prophet, not Eli's sons. Saul rose to prominence, though he was from the smallest of all the tribes. And today we see David anointed king, even though he is the youngest of all Jesse's sons. Normal human patterns are reversed by God so that God's plan can be, can be furthered and to demonstrate that God's sovereignty is over all. Over all. Certain individuals seem to us to be ideal candidates for leadership. They may also be often judged, we often judge by appearance though, in bearing and age and education level and training and even charismatic personality. No, God, no doubt God can use all of those, but even more, God sees a person's inner character and outward obedience. Heart, in chapter 16, verse 7, is livav. It's spelled L-E-B-A-B in Hebrew. Liv means not only the physical heart, but also the emotional center of one's being, but also one's inner life, including mind and attitude, intention, will, and even understanding. 
God sometimes surprises us by choosing people that we might have never chosen. And you might be one of those who was surprised to learn that God had chosen you. Yes, you. You are all God's chosen. But for some people, the surprise is so shocking that it actually can undermine our response to respond to God with faith. With such statements as, here I am, Lord, send me. But you know, or you should know, that whom God chooses, God empowers. God has chosen you, and God will empower you. And God calls all of God's chosen, that's all of us, to respond to God's grace and to grow and to serve in that grace. So how, how are you faithfully living out God's calling on your life? Through the strength of the Holy Spirit, not your strength but through the strength of the Holy Spirit. How are you living into that new creation? What matters to God is not the image we create, but how God's own image in us is being shared with others. You see, the Lord cuts through all the appearances and the fronts that we wear for one another and looks deep, deep into our hearts, into our real selves that often are hidden. That looks deep within ourselves and looks at those places that are often hidden in all those layers of makeup that we all put on, material things and make-believe roles we play. In the case of the new king, God was looking for someone with God's own heart. Not the oldest or the wisest or the strongest or the tallest or the most handsome. And David was that man, even though he was a boy. Even though he was the youngest son. So young that his father didn't even consider bringing him before Samuel. But the image of God, you see, in us is everything. We were created in God's image for a purpose. David was chosen for the specific purpose of leading his people with no pretense and certainly without any resume. Likewise, each of us is chosen for a purpose that has nothing to do with fame and fortune. Your purpose and mine is to reflect the image of God in us and no other. And we are to live as people who authentically love and are loved. God defines our true identity as God's created and loved image. And then God calls us to live out that identity in community for the whole world to see. Indeed, Scripture tells us over and over again that God does God's best work 
does very best work with those whom the rest of the world wouldn't give 15 seconds, much less 15 minutes of fame. That is, people like a little poetic boy who was watching the sheep, or a bunch of working-class fishermen, and yes, even a host of sinners like me and you. It's through the weakness and the weakest and the least that God's glory is able to shine the brightest. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one may boast in the presence of God. Appearances can be deceiving, but God looks at the heart. The only image that matters to God is the image of God in us. Few, if any of us, will ever be famous for the rest of the world. But we are already famous to the Lord, each and every one of you. And it's God's picture of us that is the most clearly focused and long-lasting. In fact, it's eternal, isn't it? May we be people who strive who strive for the new creation being built up in us and in our community of faith. That God is molding us and shaping us to be created in God's image. To be the people God created us to be. In fact, to be more and more like Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your amazing love and grace. It's not because of who we are, Lord, that you have called us, but it's because of who you are. And Lord, help us to give you the keys to our hearts, that you would mold us and continue to mold us and shape us more and more into the image of Jesus. Lord, there's more that you want to do in us, and yes, even through us. Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here, and those that are on the live stream, and those that will be part of an archive worship service. Strengthen us in that spirit, Lord, that we might give ourselves to you and to others and to share your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.